It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast, hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. What is up, Bills Mafia? Welcome in to the Wednesday edition of Shout, a Buffalo Bills football podcast. He is Ryan Talbot. I am Matt Perino. Ryan, we are seven days away from training camp. I got the shakes. I'm buzzing, man. I can't wait to get back out there. I'm one of the weird ones. Like I talk to beat reporters all all over the country, different folks that cover uh, different teams in different cities. And there's a it's a mixed bag when it comes to covering training camp, especially those that have to go away for camp. I absolutely love it. Um, we got a live show coming on August 7th at Dorado. Uh, they're going to combine with Wingnuts for a special one-night only live show in Rochester. Get some wings, get some great Mexican food, get the Shout podcast. I'm excited. Ryan, it is about to be football season. It is about to be football season. You nailed it. And, you know, Rochester is a great place to go and uh, have training camp. Like you said, you're excited about it. You'll be living that dorm life. I'll be coming up a few of the weekends. Uh, cannot wait to cover everything about this team. Uh, I know you're you're not a big garbage plate guy, but I'll have to make my yearly garbage plate endeavor while I'm there. And, uh, you know, also get those raspberry shakes that we got last year, too. Those were pretty solid. That wasn't a... Ryan, it wasn't a raspberry shake. Get out. Get out right now. What was they it? weren't raspberry shakes. Blackberry? Not blackberry remember. either. No, that's All not right. what they're called. What were what they were called? They? No, I'm not going to tell you. I don't know. I'll come up with no. it later. I think I forgot. <laughs> but they're definitely not raspberry. Um, I swear they were. Oh, shoot. What are they? It's the purple ice cream, dude. Like, I, I grew up on it. Oh, my gosh. Blackberry. I said blackberry. It's not like raspberry. Not black raspberry. Yeah, black raspberry. I think maybe something like that. I think it's black raspberry. We're talking about a lot about. This. Yeah, we we are spending too much time on that topic now. So today, what is up, Rick? What is up, Jessica? In the comments over on YouTube, welcome in. It is a big day for the Shout Bills podcast because we launched Shout Buffalo Bills Insider Text Group. Uh, we are so excited about this. Um, Jake is in the comments. Sophia is here from Hawaii. Hello. And Kate, who is one of our first subscribers. Hello, Kate, uh, in the YouTube uh, comments. The cool thing about this thing, we, we, we kind of covered it last week, but it's going to connect us in, in a whole different way. It's going to offer a whole new version of our coverage. It is live right now. We launched it today. I sent out my first text. Ryan sent one out. And basically what it does is it allows you to kind of Drive the ship at times. Uh, we'll we'll put out a, a you know a, a query for some questions. You will send them back to us, and then we're going to talk about them right here on the show. And this the the headline of this show is derived from questions that were sent in on, on in the group text. Yeah, it's been great, great launch day, great response from the Bills Mafia. Uh, like you said, Kate was one of the first in there. Uh, one of her questions will be one of the topics that we discuss today. So. Uh, looking forward to getting into it all. Where do you want to start, Ryan? We got a lot to cover. Ron Rakuya. Let's get yes, let's Ron start right there. Yeah, let's right get started there. there. Very, very odd announcement from the Bills today. I mean, if you don't know Ron Rakuya, he uh, uh, was the owner, founder of AdPro Sports. Uh, had kind of linked up with the Bills a couple years ago. Was an agent for a little while. Was hired as uh, the EVP uh, or promoted to EVP and COO of the Bills a little after uh, you know what happened, the cardiac arrest incident with Kim Pagula last year. Well, the Bills came out and announced today that they have parted ways with Ron Makuya. Uh, They have um, named Terry Pagula as the team president, uh, so taking over that role uh, that Kim held previously. And they've moved over uh, somebody from PSC, and the um, Sabres, John Roth, who is the EVP and COO over there, he is going to take over that same role now with the Bills. It's strange, Ryan, because like I mentioned to you before we started the show, Ron has been like 
the face yeah. of the stadium um, project. I mean, from its infancy, right? Like he has been a part of it. He's been part of the project, uh, you know, finding the group that was going to build it, doing all the surveys. Every time we're at the owners meetings the last couple of years, we don't talk to Terry Bagula. We talk to Ron Rakuya. He's he's who the Bills give uh, the media that are that are grouped there. R- very surprising development and it looks like they're going to go in a different direction and and it looks like maybe even terry pagula himself is going to take a larger role in the day-to-day yeah bizarre timing odd timing and again we don't know everything that went on here we don't know if rakuya wanted to leave and if that's part of the parting of the ways or what took place but you said it you know he had a big role in the whole the, the stadium and he was uh the, the spokesperson essentially for the stadium and someone that the media got to talk to. And he was there just a few weeks ago at the groundbreaking ceremony. He stepped up after everything that happened with Kim Pagula. He wore multiple hats and, you know, being that, you know, kind of the, the team president of sorts, being the COO, the EVP uh, of everything going on here with this organization. And now just suddenly right before a training camp, there's this mutual parting of ways. So, you know, I'm sure in due time we'll get more information, more clarity on it, but definitely news that kind of came out of left field. Yeah. And, you know, we'll probably learn more about it over the next couple of weeks. Um, I think for me, the biggest part of it that, that's the shock is that we are a couple of weeks removed from them all being up at stage at the groundbreaking event. And then afterwards, Ron Rakuya being the one that spoke to the media. Again, about the you know the the journey to that place and what it was going to like be, look like moving forward. You know, this is, seems like something that's developed in the last couple of weeks. So it's something that you know we'll continue to track, see if there's any further announcements. But from a football perspective, I don't I don't necessarily think it has uh, a lot of bearing. Obviously, Sean McDermott, Brandon Bean were two of the four representatives up on that stage at the groundbreaking event. The other two were Rakuya and, and Pagula. So, I mean, they run the show when it comes to the football uh, department. And that's what we're going to get in here to today. So let's start with the first question. And who did it come from on um, the biggest potential surprise cut? Jim from Tonawanda wanted to know biggest potential surprise cut that might shake up the Bills Mafia. So, yeah, I I gave this a lot of thought over the last hour because, Ryan, you take a look at this roster and I have my little roster, my, my handy dandy roster card here and you go through it position group by position group. And it is hard to find something that's worth really diving into from a surprise factor because there seems like there's so much certainty around this roster, right? Like every position group, I could sit there and go three, four, three, five, <laughs> 10, 10, six, uh, 10, however you want to like dive it, divvy it up. And like you have like 46, 47, like it feels like locks to make this roster. Like, I think we're, we're, we're about at that point. Now there'll be competition. Maybe we could trim that down to 44 if we wanted to really get into the weeds of things. But I started thinking about a potential outside the box idea for somebody that maybe doesn't make the roster. And I, I, I landed on Damian Harris and I, I want everybody to kind of hang with me here for a minute because I know there's a lot of excitement around Damian Harris and I'm not sitting here projecting him as a cut by any stretch of the imagination. But what I want to do is maybe think about what it would look like if James Cook takes hold of this role, uh, this RB1 role. Naheem Hines gets himself into the mix a little bit more and they want to do a little bit more. Don't forget. Out of all the guys in that backfield, Naheem Hines is making the most money for 2023. Now, they could trade him. They could cut him. There, there's a lot of different things. But that wouldn't be a surprise move, right? I mean, moving on from Naheem Hines at this point, a lot of people have been talking about it. Latavius Murray is a guy that you go out and get late in free agency because you like his versatility. He's somebody that's been a touchdown machine over the course of his career. Reliable, was really reliable last year. And I think in a lot of ways, Ryan, maybe a little bit more reliable than Damian Harris in the Bills' eyes. Latavius Murray isn't often injured, right? right? Damian Harris is banged up every single year. He cost himself a lot of football last year because of the injuries that he sustained. I don't think that there's a world where we live in that Damian Harris doesn't make this roster. So let me just put that out here. I don't want anybody like coming at me like, I can't believe you think the Bills are going to cut Damian Harris. I don't. But if you want to try to find and poke and prod and and carve through this roster a little bit and find one where other guys could make enough noise 
combined with some of the history there, Damon Harris, I could see a path to that at the very least. Yeah, no, I, I mean, like you, like you said, I don't see a, a path where that actually happens in, in actual uh, the next few weeks or months. But based on his injury history, based on James Cook, uh, you know, expecting to be RB1, Naheem Hines' role, uh, having Latavius Murray, a guy who's rushed for 500 yards in every season minus one since joining this league. There, are, There's a lot of uh, competition there. And, and if, you know, uh, Harris can't stay healthy this summer at camp, it, it could at least potentially open the door for something like that. You know, and, and for me, the name that I came up with was, would not be as shocking as the one you came up with. But I, I landed on Shaq Lawson. And I landed on Shaq Lawson because of how well he played for this team. Uh, in his return, how reliable he is as a run stopper, how there's a little bit of juice there uh, in terms of getting after the quarterback too. But that is just such a loaded position. And, and you can say DN, you can say pass rusher. I'm going to land with, I'm going to stick with pass rusher uh, because of the way they have some of these players designated in, in terms of their position on, on the team roster. You have Von Miller who will be coming back at some point this season. You have Leonard Floyd. You have Greg Rousseau, AJ Epinesa, Boogie Basham. And those are just some of the names that are, you know, minus Leonard that are returning uh, to this team. Then you have a, a guy like Kingsley Jonathan who really flashed last year in that Chicago game, someone that they were upset about losing to the Bears and who played quite a few uh, games with Chicago last season before they were able to bring him back to the practice squad and then to the, the roster for that game. Uh, there's Shane Ray looking to kind of make this comeback after having all those wrist injuries and having to uh, work his way back into the league because once he was healthy, it was kind of 2020 and the COVID years and, uh, team, you know, he kind of got um, injured at the worst possible time in terms of trying to land somewhere else in this league. So there's so many guys that someone that played meaningful snaps for this team one year ago in Shaq Lawson could be on the outside looking in. For me, I want to stay on the defensive line and give another one really quickly here. Um, I don't see see to me the Shaq Lawson cut. We mentioned this a couple shows ago would be more about like what what you think the rest of the league thinks of him and your ability to get him back on the practice squad. And so like from that perspective, if that materializes in the, in the 24, 48 hours after the cut, I don't think it'll be as shocking necessarily, but to your point, I mean, they've, they've drafts, they have draft assets at the at defensive line that, you know, Shaq Lawson's a guy that they, he just kind of dangled out there in free agency for months and months and months. So, um, you know, and they brought him back. I think they like what he brings. I think F Jordan Phillips would be a, a very big surprise just because of what I think the fan base, how they view him. I think people view Jordan Phillips as nine and a half sack 2019 Jordan Phillips, right? When Daquan Jones was announced out last year in the Cincinnati Bengals game, I tweeted out, this is a massive development, a big, big problem for this Bills defensive line. I got actual responses, Ryan, to that tweet that said the Bills will be fine. They have Jordan Phillips. Let Jordan Phillips eat. Now, listen, he was banged up, so I'm not trying to sit here. I like Jordan Phillips a lot. I think he's a really good player when healthy. But if you thought after watching 17 games of that season last year and what Daquan Jones brought to that defensive line that you could just sub that out and bring in Jordan Phillips and a banged up Jordan Phillips at that – I mean, it it just wasn't going to work that way. And so I think if you get towards the end of camp, you got Puna, Puna Ford in the mix now. You have even a guy like Ilianku, who has all of a sudden been really, really solid for them as a developmental player over the last couple of years. Tim Settle, uh, who they restructured, I believe, before this season. There's a lot of players there now that you could probably lean on if you wanted to move out of off the Jordan Phillips deal. And I got to actually look it up because let me let me get your thoughts on, on Phillips there first before we get to anything else. I think Phillips would make a lot of sense as being a potential surprise cut candidate to some fans because you're right. Some people remember him for that first stint in Buffalo where he was, you know, very good and I would say like a cleanup role. Uh, the pressure would come off the edges. The quarterback would move up in the pocket, and there's Jordan Phillips. A lot of his sacks came on uh, plays where the pocket broke down or the quarterback kind of was going in his direction, and to his credit, he finished the play. He ended up getting paid a, uh, you know, a good amount from the Arizona Cardinals because of his play in Buffalo, but it didn't really work there. And in, now in his second stint here, 
uh, especially last year, obviously those injuries took their toll on him. So uh, I, I see a path where he is not on this main roster when we get down to roster cuts because of the depth in front of him, the depth just in general in the D tackle room and uh, certainly something to watch this summer. Phillips signed a one-year, $3 million contract this offseason, uh, $500,000 signing bonus, $1.22 million of that is guaranteed. So he is by no means a roster lock. As a matter of fact, the Bills open up close to two point five uh, or $1.5 million should they cut him on 2023 salary cap space. So this is one of those names that I think you know makes a lot of sense to take a look at. The other one, too, that I saw pop up in the chat, Dane Jackson. Like... I don't know if Dane Jackson necessarily is a shocker for me if he doesn't make the roster, knowing what we know about some of the players that they really like. You know, bringing in a guy like Cam Dancer, we talked a bit about him on the show a week ago. Now he's a veteran guy. They 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 gave him that. Um, uh, I think they uh, gave him the restricted uh, tender last off season to bring him back. So they obviously value him. Um, you know, he started games in this league, so I, I don't think it would be overly shocking. But that. That's a, at a position where you have spent premium assets on a Kyir Elam already. You have a guy in Dantzler now who it comes from, a, you know, he, he was a higher end draft pick a couple of years ago. So I don't think it would be the most shocking thing in the world. But again, that's where we're at. Like the, the, the cuts that happen are not going to be that shocking because there's there's so few of those borderline bubble players uh, that are there. Yeah, and and Dane has had a very good role with this team over the last few seasons, and he's really, you know, built himself up. But you're, you're right, Dancer was a former third round pick, I believe, in, in off the top of my head. And uh, you have Kyrie Elam as a first round pick. You have Trey White, obviously. They're expecting, I would think, returning to form. Uh, Taron Johnson in that slot cornerback role, and then you have a, a lot of other depth guys that are going to be competing for a role on this team. So because there is so much talent, because there is so much depth, there is going to be a guy that had a maybe a bigger role in 2022 that could be on the outs this season. And it, it just speaks to the talent and depth of this roster where it will surprise some Bills fans, but it, it also comes down to the fact that there's just a surplus of talent here. And it's why the last few seasons, Matt, at roster cut down time, it's a lot of the players that the Buffalo ends up cutting, whether it's rookies, first year veterans, a lot of them end up getting, uh, you know, th those early veterans, not the ones that have the, the multiple years, but a lot of them end up getting claimed uh, the following day or the following, you know, when, when the claims come in, the Bills roster is getting poached left and right after those roster cuts. And a lot of guys that they want to sneak out of the practice squad, they cannot. Thank you so much for spending part of your day with us, everybody on YouTube, Facebook. If you're listening on all of the audio platforms, uh, we are so grateful to you. And Ryan, we are running down a list of questions that we've received uh, on our first day here Yes. Um, on the uh, Shout Buffalo Bills Insider text group. We are so excited about this. We've been talking about it for a couple of weeks. Well, it launched this morning. We already have dozens of subscribers and the subscribers have been uh active uh in the group chat already all you have to do to sign up you can go to syracuse.com there's an article posted up there that gives you all the details um you could also go to uh there's a link in the description on youtube uh and then over in on all the audio platforms uh where you can it'll actually take you right to the place where you sign up you just put in your phone number and that sends you a verification link and bang you're in you can start texting with us or if you're just sitting there at home and you want to start this thing up right now text 716-528-6727 that's 716-528-6727 you'll get a reply you reply to that you do all you follow all the steps and bang you're in Ryan, we're going to get this thing cooking here because next week, as soon as training camp happens, I'm planning to put some stuff in that. Uh, as soon as we get out of practice, where am I dumping all of my immediate observations? I'm not dumping them on Twitter. I'm not putting them on Syracuse.com or New York Upstate.com right away. They're going to the text group. That's right. From the notebook to the text group. Matt always has this uh, this notebook that he carries. Great notes in it. He's going to use that, I'm sure, to help with this uh, chat group here that we have, this text group. Uh, Bill's Mafia, two-week free trial. Get in now, right in time for training camp. After the two weeks are up, it's $3.99 per month. That's you know less than $50 for the year. Uh, join us. 
exclusive access, questions that help steer the podcast. Uh, you know, you're going to help steer some of the questions that we have for players. Who do you want us to watch at training camp? We'll discuss post game things, you know, with that subtext group or that text group. So get in now. Get in now. Let's get to the next question on the list. I think we could go right in order. What is for you, Ryan, the position battle that maybe we're not talking enough about collectively as a, as a community? Yeah, quote unquote, the wide receiver three role. And I, I say quote unquote, because I, I really do think that Dalton Kincaid is going to take a lot of the targets that Isaiah McKenzie, who was kind of in that role last year, uh, he's going to take a lot of them. But in terms of wide receiver, pure wide receiver, who's going to step up in that number three role behind Gabe Davis as wide receiver two and then wide receiver one, Stefan Diggs? Uh, you have some candidates in-house in Khalil Shakir. You have some outside candidates that were signed in free agency in Trent Sherfield and Deontay Hardy. And, you know, that to me is this underrated battle that people aren't talking about a lot. And when I really look at these three players, Khalil Shakir, uh, 25% of the offensive snaps or more in the, in the final few games of the regular season, someone that stepped up in the postseason, Again, I, I've mentioned this in the last few podcasts. I would have gone over 100 yards against the Dolphins in the wild card round, dropped a pass uh, at the two-minute warning mark the first half. That would have put him over the 100 mark for the end of the game. And then he was two for 40 in that Bengals game, one of the more productive receivers uh, against Cincinnati in a game where the offense really struggled. So I see his role getting bigger, but he's got some competition. Trent Sherfield is coming off of a year with Miami where he had career highs in targets, receptions, yards, and touchdowns. So this is someone that wants, he said, if you, if you want to be an elite receiver, come play with an elite quarterback. Josh Allen was raving about him. Uh, I could see him coming in and, and getting an opportunity to con- compete for that role. And then you have Deontay Hardy. And Hardy signed a nice contract early in free agency with the Bills. Big yard after catch guy, big speed guy. My only question about him in terms of being that next man up in, in the Wide receiver three is his size. He's five feet, six inches tall. He's 170 pounds. Is he someone that you can count on to play significant reps each week? Or is he someone that you have a 10 play, 12 play package for uh, some gadget plays, some end arounds, let him use his speed, some deep threats, uh, stretch the field here and there. I worry about his durability to a certain extent to be that next man up, but the Bills liked him. I I believe it was a two-year, $9.5 million uh, contract, so they had a role in mind for him. So for me, Matt, that is that underrated camp battle that people aren't talking about enough. First, I guess your thoughts on that, and then what's your underrated camp battle? Well, first, shout-out to Mark Mertz over on Facebook who said he already signed up for the text group. My man, we appreciate you. We want to get that thing – Let's let's get that thing up to 100 this week. Why not? Let's start off with a bang. We'll get a big group in there uh, and, and we'll, uh, we'll we'll get it. We'll get it popping right before training camp. I, I like this one because I, I don't know if we've necessarily talked enough about Trent Sherfield. And I think back a couple of weeks uh, to what Josh Allen was talking about with him and the excitement level that he had for a guy. And like you have to take that into account when you're thinking about how a guy potentially fits into an offense. Does the all pro quarterback like him. And I think Josh Allen is a big fan. And I think Sherfield to me, like I've been talking a lot about Khalil Shakir being that Gabe Davis mold, right? Like learning all the positions, being able to play in multiple spots in a lot of ways, Trent Sherfield is that way too. Like, I think he can play out of the slot. I think he'd be the guy that comes in off the bench when Stefan Diggs needs a blow, when Davis needs a blow, I think you can line him up in different areas. Listen, if Ken Dorsey really wants to get creative, what have the Bills done for years and years, Ryan, when it comes to the gadget guy? It's been Isaiah McKenzie, right? Yeah. Like those smaller kind of players that you can, you know, whip around the formation and get guys like head spinning. You could get a little bit gadgety with Sherfield. Like go back to that one touchdown catch that he had against San Francisco when he absolutely just did something with a, you know, it wasn't anything special from two. It was a nice little, little dump off pass. And he, t- he did the rest. He did the damage. So I think Sherfield is for sure in the mix, especially considering Deontay Hardy's injury history as much as high as both of you and I are on him. Uh, Sherfield's a guy to watch. And I think that that, how that shakes out between the three of them and then kind of that additional layer with the, with the Kincaid in the slot 
fitting that into the offense, it's going to be very interesting. Yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, watching those three specific players at training camp uh, in the next few weeks when I'm there, kind of keeping an eye on that, how the Bills are utilizing them, uh, the opportunities, the chemistry with Josh Allen. All of those things are going to factor into their utilization early on in 2023. I think Sherfield's going to be like one of those uh, camp darlings. Like, I think Sheriffield's mm-hmm. going to be one of those guys that just explodes and people are like, I don't know if it gets to the point, but could you see like we get to the end of camp or or preseason and all of a sudden people are like, oh, like trade Gabe Davis. Sheriffield is uh Sheriffield's like, had this amazing training camp and amazing preseason. Like he's ready to be wide receiver, too. Like, I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility, knowing, first of all, how high hyperbolic sometimes fans can be, which I love and I, I'm here for it. But um, I think to me, he's one of those guys that I'm watching very closely to see how he uh, acclimates to this offense. Uh, Joshua Price asks, what are the digits? He's asking me for my phone number, Ryan, and I <laughs> am going to give it to him because that's what we do here. We want everybody to join the text club. Join us, 716 528 6727. That's 716-528-6727. Just send a text. Say, what's up? Uh, link will come back. Follow the link. Sign yourself up. Then all of a sudden, you have access to both me and Ryan. And one of the things I love about this, Ryan, is that I went through a bunch of DMs today, right? I went back through all these DMs, st- stuff that I've missed over the last year. Like I was seeing people that I interact with regularly on Twitter. I didn't even see their DM on Twitter. This now gives you the ability to reach us directly. I am never, you are never going to miss one of these texts. We're going to be in there all the time. It's just a perfect way to connect and engage and stay up to date with us uh, day to day. Yeah, it's, it's perfect for that. I was, uh, I sent out my first uh, text message at three about the show and I was getting responses right back, responding to them saying, Hey, we're going to, we'll get this on the show. Uh, and in addition to the show, you know, these might end up being topics in the 23 questions for 23 days as well. Uh, a few of these, I think are, are definitely good enough to be uh, among those questions. So uh, our text group is going to really help mold what we're the content that we're putting out what we do at training camp, who we're keeping an eye on. And, and speaking of things here from the chat, Matt, uh, we had Rick who missed you earlier on announcing our Rochester show. So can you also give him Ooh, the details again? Rick, we got, we're coming for you, buddy. We are going to be at Dorado on Park Avenue in Rochester on April 7th. Uh, I believe we're getting, we're getting August. Start- oh yeah. August 7th, you know, <laughs> close enough. I've screwed up this date more times this week. Than anything. So my apologies for that. August 7th, 6 p.m. It's a Monday night. Dorado on Park Avenue in Rochester. We will be out there. Wingnuts is coming out to Rochester. They're going to do a pop-up right inside, kind of next to Dorado. So you can get some Mexican food. You could try uh, Wingnuts Amazing Wings. And you can listen to the Shout Podcast in Rochester. We've been People have been hounding us for a Rochester event. We're bringing it to you right at the tail end of camp in uh, say, at St. John Fisher. Yeah, and a little birdie tells me there might be a surprise wing on the menu too. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. The, the Perino wing is going to make its debut. Uh, that's what I hear. So uh, the name has not been publicized quite yet, but it has been, uh, it's been thrown across my desk. And I got to tell you, shout out to my boy AJ over at Wing Nuts. I like it a lot. <laughs> looking forward to it. A Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. What's up, everybody? Matt Perino here, one half of the Shout Buffalo Bills football podcast, here today to talk to you about Prize Picks, America's number one fantasy sports app with more than 5 million members. It is the most fun and exciting way to get in on the action while you watch your favorite sports and players. You just pick more or less on two or more player stats for a shot to win up to 100 times your cash. Testing your skills on prize picks this playoff basketball season is the most simple way to get in on the action. You just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projected stats, and submit your lineup. Quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and an enormous selection of players and stat types are what makes prize picks the number one fantasy sports app. 
Download the app today and use code SHOUT, S-H-O-U-T, for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, download the app today and use code SHOUT, S-H-O-U-T, for a first deposit match up to $100. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy. All right, where we go next, Ryan? You got the questions in front of you. Yeah, so this next question is coming from Ryan Horton. Uh, how are you expecting Sean McDermott to tinker with the defense? What kind of changes are we expecting? And we're going to bring someone in right now uh, that has some knowledge that he's going to drop on us based on a recent interview we did. What's up, Pete? Yeah, no, yeah. I had Kyer Elam on Elam on my podcast last night, and I asked him about McDermott's aggressiveness or, or his style of play calling because I think fans want to know about it. And obviously, it could be a complete change from Leslie Frazier this past couple of years. And Elam basically said, we're not going to sit on our heels. We're going to be more aggressive. And that was kind of his conclusion. And as soon as I heard sit on his, when we're not going on our heels, I go back to the Bengals game, that image of the Bills defensive backs being six, seven yards off the line of scrimmage on a third and short. So him saying, we're not going to, we're going to be aggressive. We're going to not be on our heels kind of makes me feel like more press coverage, maybe more blitzing, more different style of defense than maybe we've seen in the past. Yeah, I, I like that. I think that's exactly what I'm kind of envisioning. I'm looking at the personnel on this team. Uh, I'm looking at the Taylor wraps and maybe the three safety sets. And uh, maybe you have him on the field at the same time. And then you can blitz Milano and kind of have him come up. And we've seen him get after the quarterbacks in, in recent years. Uh, he, he folded Mike White like a table last year. And uh, we, we've seen times where Taron Johnson's blitz with success in the cornerback position too. So that they have a lot of different options in terms of who they could blitz. And I expect more aggressiveness myself. The guy that I think is going to benefit the most from this pivot to aggressiveness or aggression is Taron Johnson. Like you just mentioned, he is such a weapon that I feel like has been underutilized over the years when they have decided to unleash him as a blitzer teams have struggled to defend it. And I, I almost, you don't want to lean into it too much, right? Like you, you don't want to leave yourself open, especially out of the slot with what I think was at times some issues in coverage in that short intermediate area. I think one of the things to me with Tremaine Edmonds that kind of gets brushed under the rug because he is so good in coverage is he, he did at times struggle with those really explosive, quick guys, like those smaller slot receiver types that I think Taron Johnson, you really leaned on him to cover those guys. And when you're sending him on blitzes, it leaves yourself open. Now, depending on how this middle linebacker competition ends up working out, or, you know, even if Dorian Williams at some point in the season can find a way into packages or onto the field for certain looks. Now, all of a sudden you got some more coverage chops alongside Matt Milano, even Bernard, who I think could be a little bit more reactive and less um, impacted by those, you know, speedy quick guys. Now, Let's be honest, Bernard has not looked like the, the the fleetest of foot over the course of what we've seen from him already. But he's looking like a completely different, like in a completely different mindset during uh, the spring here. Um, I really like Taron Johnson, and I think the, the aggressiveness is going to come from how he uses parts of his personnel in terms of leaning into their strengths. And you mentioned blitzing Milano too, and you know, maybe even finding a way to make Jordan Phillips instead of being a, you know, 45 to 55% snap guy, maybe bring him down to like 30 and just have him really emphasize the pass rush. He's really good against the run when he's healthy, but you want to keep him healthy. And I think banging and clanging in there hasn't worked out from the last couple of years. Yeah. And Peter, there's someone here, Beth Fox that wants to know <laughs> the name of the podcast. So she can go back and watch. I believe it's the Buffalo blitz. Is that correct? Yeah. On the built on Buffalo network. You can go on YouTube. If you if, if you go on my Twitter, it's the links there, or you can just go to Apple podcast, just type in bill and Buffalo podcast network. And Kyrie, Kyrie was a fun guest. It was nice to uh, talk to him first time for first time. Awesome. Matt, any thoughts, anything else that you wanted to talk about here? Because you're smiling at the camera. <laughs> Sometimes I like leaving Talbot like to, to kind of like wave in the wind. That's like right. right before we were going to go on our show at Wingnuts, we were doing um, – oh, uh, we start every podcast with Ed and Alicia. Like they yeah. give us a little story. We talk to them about Wingnuts and the origin of it. And I, and I just – I wanted to pass the baton over to Ryan for a show. I said, here, why don't you lead us off? Why don't you take the reins? Why don't you open the show? He said no. 
I, I just, you know, Matt is the, he is just that TV host. He's that guy that is so good with those interactions, that back and forth. Uh, he's the Conan O'Brien. I'm the Andy Richter. I'm okay with that. I like that a lot. I'm on the couch next to him. He is behind the desk. I think that's the, the perfect model for this show too. Pete, what, let's get your thoughts on maybe a, what would be a surprise cut that from a fan perspective would kind of like, blow your doors off a little bit. Something that maybe we haven't talked about already. Obviously you mentioned Damian Harris, obviously that would, and you didn't say he would be cut, but that could, you kind of threw that out there. That would obviously be a shocker. I think uh, Bill's mafia on Twitter would kind of lose their mind. It's tough because I agree with both of you guys saying like, there's like you cut Shaq loss and you cut Jordan Phillips. I, I would say like, they're both shocking, but they're not like you, you could justify it and you can kind of under understand it. Maybe, maybe like a boogie basham, but it's still not a super surprise. Like, like it doesn't make it. It makes sense that they could cut him, but he's not a super surprise. Like, I agree. We're talking off air. You were Matt. You were saying there's not a lot of roster room. Like, there's this kind of roster is kind of set in stone. I would say Dane Jackson. I would say probably Dane Jackson would probably be my biggest uh, shock. They're not gonna like. Yeah, it's probably Dane Jackson. I'm I'm kind of at a loss for words just because there's. I don't think there's anybody that's like crazy shocking that they're gonna cut. But I would probably have to go with probably say Dane Jackson. Like it, Ryan. What do you make of this? Is one other thing that I wanted to kind of talk about on this show, um, and I, and I agree with you. Everything you just said, Pete. Like it's, it's really just like there are no. Like I was even looking at like maybe Tredavious White as somebody that we could talk about because it's been such a grind back to you know you know we, to to playing last season and then it didn't look necessarily the same and I know a lot of there's been this kind of like undertone within the fan base this offseason about like if he doesn't look like the same guy that maybe you look to trade him or whatever the bills aren't like going to ever I don't think straight up cut Tredavious White and first of all this year that would make zero sense because a 16.2 cap hit He's got a $26.2 million dead cap hit. So the first time you can even think about it is 2024, but he's still only 28 years old. Like, I feel like uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think he's actually younger than Jalen Ramsey, who I think in his own right, people have been kind of coming off of him a little bit. Now there's people that are super high on him too, especially combining forces with Vic Fangio out there. And he is, 28. So him and um, Tredavious White are actually the same age. But again, you can't really cut Tredavious White. So we can't even throw some of those like bigger name kind of guys like don't even fit into this to this conversation. Maybe Micah Hyde. I don't know, but I think his I got to look at his deal. Maybe he they're not cutting Micah Hyde either. So (laughs) the point of this exercise is to really demonstrate that there really isn't a surprise cut candidate. I don't think. I think that's more of the storyline, Ryan. It is. And, and, you know, the more I sit here and think about it, there's no franchise name that you can cut. Maybe it's like a free agent signing that could get cut. Like, you you know, you just mentioned in the running back room, or maybe it's a Taylor Rapp and he just comes in and he doesn't fit this defense whatsoever. And it it doesn't make sense. I I guess that would be the the more surprising path. Kind of, and I don't want to say OJ Howard was a surprise last year, but there were fans who had high expectations for him. I thought they were going to run some two tight end sets, but then you saw him at training camp. He just didn't have the athleticism. He couldn't get up high. He was struggling to catch the ball. I guess if I were to lean one way in terms of a surprise cut, it might be a new face to this team. Uh, that was brought in via free agency. I have a question. What if they cut like Deontay Hardy or Trent Sherfield? Like that could be like if someone comes out Sherfield, of nowhere, that yeah, would be Sherfield, a Sherfield falls into the Damian Harris pot. Hardy to me would be super shocking and almost like more in that OJ Howard lane because they, they gave him so much guaranteed money. Mm-hmm. Like it's a two year deal, I think worth 13 million and let me just double check here. And I think it comes with a pretty hefty dead cap hit. So they gave him two years, 9.5 million. If they cut him this year, they'll literally eat more than his cap hit is for this season. They'd eat right. 4.75 million dollars. So that would be he comes in, absolutely looks terrible, which by the way, he already looked good in the spring. So I don't know how that's going to transition. To me, that more fits into what you're talking about. That that would be absolutely shocking. Uh, John Robert mentions Mitch Morris, Ryan. 
I would be very surprised. Uh, he is such a leader on this team. He's someone that, despite all the concussions, he, he's gone through all the medical testing. Uh, he's said that he still feels good. There have been no lingering effects. He's been very lucky in that regard where uh, other players have not been so so lucky. But he kind of says that you know it's not a factor in terms of how much longer he wants to play uh, necessarily. But I, I would be s- stunned, even though the Bills do have a lot of flexibility on that O-line, a guy like Ryan Bates who could come in and start at center. They have some options there. It would be another way to kind of uh, keep him in your starting lineup. But uh, Mitch Morris would absolutely stun me personally uh, from a leadership perspective on and off the field. Yeah, I don't like the Mitch Morris idea. Listen, are the concussions an issue? Sure. But, like, he's also played a lot of football for the Bills kind of in the middle of those two early ones and the ones that the one that he suffered last year or so, or maybe it was, was it last year or the year before? I can't remember now. My years are going together, but I think Mitch Morris is about as a, a lock of a player. Like that offensive line is not good enough to eliminate perhaps the best guy on the line. Right. And I see Ryan Bates in the comments here. Bates is like, even if he doesn't win a starting job, he's the next man up for literally four of those spots, in my opinion, left guard, right guard, center, right tackle. Uh, if if someone were to go down, I know Brandon Shell could compete for that right tackle backup role behind Spencer Brown. But that just kind of speaks to Ryan Bates's versatility where you could kind of plug him into four spots on that line uh, if an injury took place. I don't think David Edwards would necessarily be a shocking cut if he didn't make this roster, but because of his experience under Aaron Cromer, uh, because offensive line is something that the Bills really targeted to upgrade this offseason, I, I guess I could throw him into the into that uh, pool of names as well. Uh, but again, I, I think that he wouldn't be a shocking name, but maybe somewhat surprising. One thing I think we got to like stamp out, and listen, fans are fans, have, have whatever conversations you want, want what you want. That's the whole point of being a fan. But I just don't understand this, like somebody mentioned earlier in the comments, I think it was, oh, Roy Collins on YouTube, a regular. I don't understand why some fans are so sad on trying to get rid of Tredavious White, right? Like this this kind of undertone that's existed for the last, I think it's even been, goes back to back to last season, even before he came back from it. As the injury was like prolonged and he, he continued to be out week after week, I think that that conversation started. I also don't, understand this like desire to trade for a high money running back like when you have a young exciting running back in james cook who's on a rookie deal like i don't understand shout out to eddie thank you so much for watching listening commenting do you think that the bills will go after say quan barkley or josh jacobs and i saw on facebook a trade proposal of Josh Jacobs for James Cook and two future third round draft picks. I he's the, the commenter said they would do it in a heartbeat. Josh Jacobs is a great player, but I don't think you are giving up two draft picks so that you can then pay Josh Jacobs and then it's going to be a crapshoot in terms of how much you even utilize him in this offense. I know we've talked so much about a run game in Buffalo. They still have Josh Allen. Even if Josh Allen runs it less, he's probably going to throw it more. So I don't know if that's where you want to use your limited resources now in the middle or in the very beginning of this big time quarterback contract. Yeah, no, the running back position, first of all, is already, as we've seen, uh, the cap numbers keep going down on these running backs. Delvin Cook sitting out there still has been sitting out. Uh, if the Bills really wanted to get a, a big name, quote unquote, running back, they could have pursued Cook. Uh, but bringing in a Barkley, bringing in a Josh Jacobs, as talented as they both are, does not make sense for this roster. Uh, unfortunately for both of those talented players, it seems like they're in a tough spot with their respective teams. But at the same time, I don't see there being a, a huge market elsewhere for them because not there's not going to be a lot of other teams that want to invest heavily in the running back position. What's your take on running backs? Uh, get, going out and getting a big money running back, Peter. Well, I feel like every when Davin Cook became a free agent, all uh, like the national media graphics you see on Twitter and Instagram always had the Bills as one of the five like destinations. And anytime a running back's available, yeah. if it was Saquon, maybe Josh Jacobs. It's been recently Davin Cook. I just feel like you're one, you're taking the ball out of Josh Allen's hands, and 
you don't do that. You don't take the ball out of your best player's hands. And look, having a nice run game is important, but going and spending draft capital when the Bills just got more draft capital for next year, being clearly wants more draft capital for next year. So he's not going to just go trade it for a running back. You're going to have to pay. The Bills don't have endless amount of cap space. They're paying a lot of players. And if you go and the Bills are trying to win a Super Bowl, one of the teams contending for a Super Bowl, if you go look at the Super Bowl winners over the last eight to 10 years, all the running backs are under $3 million paid uh, annual salary. And you go look at the names and you're just like, you see like a CJ Anderson and you're just like, okay, like he was good, but we're not, he's not, he was never Josh Jacobs or what Saquon Barkley is. So I don't see a real need to. I go pay for or trade for running back, but it's always funny how you see like Dalvin Cook. If you go on any of the big media networks, you see that Dalvin Cook is the Bills are one of the five destinations, and it's always the Bills when it comes to running back. And you just if they wanted Dalvin Cook, they could have gotten Dalvin Cook already. So I was going to say, and this kind of goes into the topic we were talking about on the spaces the other night with all this discussion about paying running backs and and should you or shouldn't you? And it's it really is a horrible conundrum that I feel like the league is in because on one hand I get the plight of the running back and I understand wanting to get paid the elite guys wanting to get paid, but like the elite guys, like the, the Derek Henry's, the Josh Jacobs, the Saquon Barkley's like those guys are not on teams that are very good. Like, I mean, even, even the giants who made a playoff run last year, It was for not. They didn't have enough talent. The offense was too one-dimensional in the end. And I just think that if you're not only going to have an offense built around a running back, but also have to pay a top-tier running back what you're going to have to pay, you better have a a quarterback that's on like the first or second year of their rookie deal because and and maybe not even going to become what like a Josh Allen or a Justin Herbert is because it's going to change the entire complexion of your cap and your roster. Yeah, it's just a tough spot to be in if you're a veteran running back, if you're a productive running back. And I will say that I think the Giants will uh, struggle if they don't have Barkley out there. I think he did take a, a lot off of uh, Daniel Jones's plate in terms of making his life easier. Now Jones can run. He's improved as a passer. Uh, but Barkley's a very talented running back. And in that potential situation, I could see the Giants kind of taking a step back without him if he were to sit out whatsoever. I don't see him doing that, uh, but time will tell. But every year there's running backs that come into this league, whether it's first round, fifth round, seventh round, undrafted free agents that perform very well. And it it they're under contract for pennies on the dollar for four years or five years if they're a first round pick and that option gets picked up. Um, and you know, teams can keep cycling that and going through that process. Pacheco last year's seventh round guy, Damian Pierce for the Texans looked really good when he was out there. You had Kenneth Walker as a day two guy, uh, in the in the list went on and on. And you know, Bijan Robinson, high expectations this year as a first round pick. But as long as there's those young guys coming in and being able to run well, and there's veterans that can come in and uh do their jobs, you know. I mentioned Latavius Murray. He's good for 500 yards every year, no matter what team he's on. Damian Harris was, you know, a very team-friendly contract. And when he's healthy, he's very good between the tackles, short yardage. And then the Bills have Cook on a rookie deal who averaged 5.7 yards per carry last year. It's tough if you want to get paid big money as a running back because there's always more talent coming in at that position. All right, Peter, give us your final thought. Give us your hottest Bills take. Put him on the spot here. I didn't get yeah, any run up yeah. to that. Like, just just drop it. Drop your your. You know what? Your, I I got I I don't know how crazy it is, but I would say Dalton Kincaid becomes the clear cut slot receiver. He's the guy Ooh. that's going to become the Bills' slot receiver. Dawson Knox sticks to that traditional uh, tight end one, and Dalton Kincaid just flashes. And he's one of those guys you have to get on the field. You make him your true slot receiver, and week one against the Jets, Dalton Kincaid is the Bills' slot receiver over a Shakir, a Hardy, a Sherfield. No, I think that's a fair hot take. I've had some Bills fans. I, I did an article about our bold takes and how I, I saw him maybe eclipsing what Paul Costa did in terms of the, the most yards per, ever for a tight end in Bills history. And I, there's a lot of Bills fans that said, my hot take is I don't expect him to be involved whatsoever as a rookie. So there are people on both ends of the whatsoever? spectrum. Like they think he's going to end up kind of being someone that just plays a very small role as a rookie, despite being that first round pick. And listen, I mean, I, I don't agree with that, but you look at a first round pick, a different side of the ball and Kyrie Elam and, 
you saw how he's been used and some of these rookies, how they slow play them. I don't agree with that take, but I, I understand that maybe they don't see him being someone that is also getting 60, 70 targets as a rookie either, which I could see happening. I just don't see not needing that skill set in your offense. Right. Like everything that he does well is what they need specifically. Like the ability to separate off the line of scrimmage early, right? Like that was what Beasley was so good at. Like that's to me why they drafted Kincaid is to find somebody that can do that. For all of Isaiah McKenzie's speed, he had no instant separation ability. Like go back and watch some of some of the games. Like, you know, everything was kind of like slow and pronounced in his like, ability to break away from defenders, especially in man-to-man coverage, but even finding spots in, in, in the zone. I, I saw an interesting uh, tweet from Cole Beasley speaking of uh, slot receivers. And he, I think he said that tank Dell, who's somebody that we talked a lot about during the, the draft process, Ryan, if he can have any kind of feel for beating zone coverage, he's going to be an absolute beast. I think to me, that's where Kincaid is the, the missing piece of this offense, his ability to attack defenses, when they decide to play off and in that zone kind of shell against Josh Allen. Yeah, I agree. His skill set fits what they need, what they've been lacking. Uh, when this offense was really, you know, churning along those first few seasons under Brian Dable, the slot was heavily involved with Cole Beasley. Uh, they clearly missed that last year. They didn't have someone they could count on. They tried to bring Beasley back, but, you know, uh, but it was kind of late in the season, couldn't get his footing underneath him, and Kincaid can come in. Uh, and be that long-term answer while also playing a, a role as a tight end, obviously, as well, alongside Dawson Knox. John Robert on Facebook, quickly, he says, where does that put Shakir? I think it puts Shakir exactly where he's been, and that is going to plug him in wherever they can find a place for him. And, you know, he's going to be one of those first guys up if there's an injury. I think they'll find snaps for him, but I think it's yeah. going to be like, you know, uh, from game to game, matchup to matchup, it's going to kind of vary over the course of the season. Um, a lot like that Gabe Davis situation. And the problem that he faces that Davis didn't necessarily face his rookie year is I think that there's a lot more competition for targets. Yeah, a ton of ta- competition. You know, Shakir, like I said, he kind of proved himself over his rookie year uh, as a blocker and he started to get on the field more at the end of the year. So if the Bills are in uh, running situations, short yardage maybe comes in there. And if it's a play action, you could open uh, in that role, but you're right. It just kind of puts him where he's been. And, and there's a role for that. There's a role for players like Shakir and Sherfield and Hardy uh, might not be as big as some envision uh, in terms of what they think they could do, but the bills will get all of these players, uh, some kind of role, some kind of utilization as the year goes on. But obviously the Stefan Diggs, the Gabe Davis is the Dawson Knox, and the Dalton Kincaid's are going to be taking those uh, heavy snap counts, heavy target loads, uh, for the year and then same with James Cook as well. All right, you can find Peter on Twitter at DBiase Peter Ryan Talbot. Uh I'm Matt Perino. That'll do it for today's episode of Shout. Make sure don't waste any time. Get your phone out, your cell phone out. Type this in 716-528-6727. That's 716-528-6727. You'll get a verification link sent back to you. Click it, sign up. You'll be in the text group. We're going to get after it. Training camp is coming next week. You don't want to miss this coverage. Thank you so much for watching. We will see you next time. Take care, everybody. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot.